not just this week in the fall that we set aside for some intense teaching and and training and house housekeeping that needs to be my life and my heart all the time creating me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy holy spirit from me restore unto me the joy of my salvation sometimes our joy gets stale or it's difficult to be joyful or we lose track of what we have to be joyful about and we need that to be restored and this week my joy is being restored and my heart is being swept clean and I hope you can say that as well I look forward to hearing what God has for us tonight before we turn the time over to Brother Terry let's stand for prayer Our Heavenly Father, we come before you again tonight. We pray that your Holy Spirit will again move among us. We pray that you'll be with Brother Terry as he shares, that you would give him clear thoughts and clear words, that he would say only those things that you would want him to. Open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good evening. It's a blessing to be gathered together again this evening. Let's stand together, and I don't think we sang our theme song last night, but uh, I thought about that. Hey, I don't think we did that. So um, let's sing this together. He's the oak, and I'm the ivy. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the oil, and I'm the vessel, I'm the traveler and he's the way, I'm the flower and he's the fragrance, I'm the lamp and he's the flame, he's the words and I'm the music, I'm the bride who takes his name. Very good. You may be seated. For our precious promise verse tonight, turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Do you ever feel like you lack strength? Do you ever feel like sometimes that that you just, can I go on? It says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Let's read this together, alright? Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. We live in a time that it's very difficult to wait on the Lord. We live in a time that it's just pretty difficult to wait, period. 
You know, if someone sends you a text and if you don't respond back within a few minutes, you sometimes just about might as well forget it because they went on to something else because they don't got time to, you know. They that wait upon the Lord. Tonight we want to talk about the importance of having the power of God on our lives. And some things that we need in our lives in order for this to happen. David said in Psalms chapter, you don't have to turn to this, but David said in Psalms chapter 62 verse 1, he said that power belongeth unto God. We as men, we love power. Um... We love power in our trucks and in our tractors and in our biceps and um, we we love power and 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 we're attracted to power sometimes and you know we can be going down the road and and um, uh, you know my boys will say Dad look at that tractor over there or or Dad look at that truck or um, you know we we're we're attracted to power. And um, and power is a wonderful thing. Turn with me to Matthew chapter five, uh, Matthew chapter nine, verse six. Um, Jesus was running into some problems here again. He often uh, he often had conflicts because what he said was contrary sometimes to what um, to what the people believed. But here he had told this man, the sick of the palsy, in chapter 9, he had said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And, and this, this made the Pharisees and the scribes, whoever all was there, it made them furious. And they thought, who is this man? And, uh, and they, they kind of said something like this, if we would say it today, well, yeah, it's easy for anybody to say your sins be forgiven you, but many priests tell people that, but they're not. Um, you know, thy sins be forgiven thee. But Jesus said in verse 6, He said, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. So Jesus, in this case, they said, Well, yeah, anybody can say that that God that your sins be forgiven you. But Jesus said, No, look at this. Look at the power that I have. Alright? He said, Look at this power. If you don't believe that, watch this. He told him, get up and walk. And the guy got up and he walked out. You know? And it's amazing to me how, how the Jewish people and the scribes and the Pharisees, they seen phenomenal things happen. And yet, their heart was so hard. There was so much envy. There was so much pride. There was so much out to prove that whatever that that they could not see the whole picture of this was the Christ. The Bible says 
that you know the world could scarcely contain what all Christ did. And we only have a very few of the miracles here that was, was on the earth. I mean, little things that we don't even really think about that much. Um, you know, when they came to get him in the garden, and then, and, and they were there, um, and that wasn't the Romans, that was the Jews that came to get him in the garden, and he said, I am he. And it says that they all fell down. But they just got back up and went right on. Um, uh, Peter takes his sword, cuts off the high priest's ear, he just picks it up and puts it back on. And they seemingly don't even notice. Uh, you know, he raised people from the dead. He did all kinds of phenomenal things. And yet, no, we won't believe. How many of you here tonight believe that the church in America lacks power? You can just shake your head. This means yes, this means no. How many of you think that there's probably some churches in Wisconsin that lack power? How many of you think that that, that maybe sometimes right here we lack power? Why is that? You know, recently um, I uh, was harvesting some soybeans and it just seemed like that the combine would run fine for a little while and then all of a sudden it would just start bogging down and, and not wanting to run right. And, you know, and there was a little screen in that line and I took that screen out. And I cleaned it and cleaned out a few other things and 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 put it all back together and it ran fine. So that, that little dirt in that screen and that line caused a lot of issues. And the Bible says that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You know, the Bible says that if you don't have a good relationship with your wife, that your prayers are hindered. Um, and sometimes we wonder why, why we don't have power. In Matthew, turn to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to begin the message here, right here on power this evening, I believe. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus, we often read these verses at commissioning services when maybe someone is going to go into full-time missions or something, and, and I believe that's correct and that's okay. But uh, we often focus on 19 and 20, okay? But 18 is actually a real key here, okay? It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. Now, I don't believe that Christ, He never did anything to boast of Himself or to make a big show of Himself. 
I don't think he was just saying, I just want you guys to know that I am all powerful. No, I believe he was telling this to those who were there with him, that he says, listen, I have all power available unto me, and I want to bestow that power upon you so that you can experience the power of God on your life and that you can go forth and you can break down the gates of hell. You can overcome sin in your life. You can be what God wants you to be. And that power is available tonight. It is available for you and I. It is not, it is not growing weary. It is not becoming slack. <coughs> Excuse me. But the opportunity that we have to tap into that power tonight. We talked about it earlier this week that our salvation is free. But brothers and sisters, tonight, if we want the power of God upon our life, we have to pursue it. Alright? It's not going to just come to us. It's not going to just happen. You don't have a good marriage tonight just because it happened. Okay? We don't believe in evolution. Good things don't just happen. Okay? They don't get better by just doing nothing. No, we don't believe in evolution. But we believe that in, in, in salvation that as we come to God and we are filled with the Spirit and the power of God in our lives, that that power and that Spirit empowers us. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, Jesus said. You know, you shall receive power. You know, and, and sometimes I'm amazed a little bit at, uh, um, how sometimes how I lack power. And how, and how I'm sometimes just so easily derailed. Um, you know, I, I had to think about this. Think of some of the saints that went before us. Okay? And some of the saints that are living right now. The things that they're facing in their life. How do you think that the early Anabaptists, how could they go to the stake and be tied to the stake with flames coming up around them and be singing? How could they be walking to the stake? And one of the last things that they would do is, sometimes, is they would place their family along the way. And the story is told of that one little boy that came out and just grabbed hold of his daddy. I tell you what, you talking about pulling at your heartstrings. You're not leaving your family with a multi-million dollar business you're not, you're not leaving your family in the care of all kinds of other people. You're leaving your family in the face of persecution and not being able to get a job and, and maybe facing death. How do you think that they went to the stake singing? It wasn't because they went to their, their church constitution and said, well, let's see here what that says. I'm not making fun of that. But brothers and sisters tonight, the power of God on our lives is much greater than just the things that we do or we don't do. The power of God is bestowed upon us and He wants us to pursue it and He wants to infill us and He wants to empower us. Turn with me to Ephesians tonight for just a little bit. Ephesians chapter 4. And... um.
verses 8 to 10. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, which what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heaven heavens that he might fit, I'm sorry might fill all things. And it talks about along with this in another passage that he has the keys of hell and of death. I don't know what all happened when Christ descended down into the lower parts of the earth and he took the keys of hell and of death. But you know, I want to, I, this, I, I don't know how it happened, but I know, it, I, I believe it happened, and I don't know what all went on there, but you know, I believe that as Jesus Christ was hanging there on the cross, and, uh, and he was taking those last breaths, and, and, and he was laboring, I believe that the devil's kingdom was rejoicing, because they thought, we have won! We have won! We have killed the Son of Man. We have killed the Son of God. We have won! And they was rejoicing. And they was maybe, what we'd say today, throwing a party. And they was rejoicing. Because the Bible says if they would have known, they would not have crucified the Son of God. But you know God is in control, isn't He? Isn't that wonderful tonight? He's in control. And the outcome isn't in doubt. But you know, tonight, as I, I like to picture this as, as hell is rejoicing. However, the demons and Satan, however that is, I don't know. But, you know, they're rejoicing because as they watch Christ there on the, on, on the cross, He is taking those last breaths and they have won! This isn't really how it is, but it gives us a picture of how things are today. Can you imagine the celebration that was going on maybe as, as the devil was thinking, wow, I have won. I have killed the Son of God and, and I have overcome. And now, and suddenly, as this party was happening, someone showed up that was not invited. Jesus Christ. I like to think of it, you know, it, it, it's, it's just human thinking. It's not how it necessarily was, but I like to think of, of footsteps coming down this hall. Footsteps. And he comes to this party room. And he stands at the door. And, and the demons are praising Satan. And they're doing all these different things. And all of a sudden, the whole room is quiet. And the devil begins to tremble. And he begins to get red in the face and angry. Because there standing in the room is Jesus Christ. What does it mean when he took the keys of death and of hell? I don't know what all that means. But I believe in my human reasoning, I can see Jesus, you know, here's the keys of death and of hell. I can see Him walking up to Satan. 
He doesn't say please. He doesn't say give them to me. He is in total control. And Satan is shaking and he is furious. And Christ takes the keys of death and of hell because he is the overcomer. He is the overcomer. I don't know what it means when he set captivity. I don't know what all that means. But, you know, in my little human mind, I, I just like this thought of, I don't know how it was, but I just love the thought of, of Satan being helpless and, and the Lord just going down through those hallways and just unlocking those prison doors and opening the gates and the people can do, you know. I don't know how it all was, but, you know, because Christ is all-powerful. And Satan has been defeated. And he has the keys of death and of hell. And Satan will never again have them. That's the God that we serve tonight. That's the God who says, I want to give this power to you. I want you to be able to take this power and I want you to be go, go and teach all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things. And you all you know those verses. Is that the God you serve tonight? Is that the God whose power is on your life tonight? Or is there another power? Are there other things? Paul said in Ephesians 3.10, he said, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. You know, we face strongholds. and How many of you here, we face strongholds, don't we? We don't have to ask that. We face strongholds. I face strongholds in my life sometimes. And far too often I try to fight through those strongholds in my own strength. Instead of just giving them over to God and saying, God, here it is. I believe that for too long in my own life and in the life of our churches, we lack power. And I believe that one of the reasons why we lack power is, and we may talk about this some tomorrow evening, I'm not for sure, um, but when we begin to worship the things of this world, it takes our worship off of God. Let me just ask you a couple questions tonight, okay? How much do you pray? Is, is prayer a vital part of your life tonight? Somebody once said that A.W. Tozer said, it was said of A.W. Tozer, 
that there's times that he would come into his office and he would go to his secretary and he would tell her, um, you can go home today. There won't be any calls needed or anything. He said, we're not going to do business today. Whatever. And he said he would uh, go into his office and he would shut the door and he'd be all alone in there. And he would go in there and he would simply fall on his face before God. Sometimes he was in there for one hour. Sometimes he was in there for two hours. Sometimes he was in there till the afternoon until he came back out. And he was known to say one time that he said, I just love to go into my office. And he said, I love to fall on my face before God. And he said, I don't say a word, I just worship. I don't say a word, I just, I just fall on my face before God in reverence and I just worship. If there were two things tonight that I could change in Anabaptist churches, two of the top five things in my list would be the amount of time that we immerse ourselves in the Word and how much time we spend in prayer. I believe that if those two things would be dynamic in our life, our churches would have way more power than we have. I don't think we would be jerking on the chains to try to get more out into the world. I believe that we would be seeking God with all of our hearts. We live in a time of fastness. I can get answers right now. I mean, if I want to know how many, you know, whatever, just, you just ask whoever, ask Google, ask whatever. And the devil loves the fast-pacedness. But building a relationship with God has never changed. And it never will. You can't advance it. You can't speed it up. It takes an intentional seeking God. Did he say... I'll just give you the kingdom. He said, no, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then all of these things will be added unto you. You know, Jesus said, when ye pray, when ye fast, you know, we kind of turn that around. We just pray fast, right? We don't fast and pray. We pray fast because, you know, we're busy and we have a lot of things to do. And I know we all have times in our lives where, where the load is bigger than others. I know that. I'm not trying to be a holy roller. I know that. But, but is that, do you have time for God? You know, are you intentionally about taking time for God? The answer tonight is, is yes, you have time for God. 
but you may be choosing not to take that time with God. And you will never have the power of God on your life like it could be if you don't take that time with God. Never. You can't Google it. You can't ask somebody. Nobody else can do it for you. Somebody did your salvation for you. But your power and your relationship with God must come from you. You know, I met a brother a number of years ago. I was having revival somewhere and and I believe he gave me the okay to share this. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. But you know, I'll say this while I'm thinking about it right now. I don't want to have to read stories about missionaries to my children to see a man of prayer. Okay? I don't want to have to tell about back in the 1800s, them old boys, they prayed. You know? And, and listen to this missionary story. You know? And, um, you know, maybe... Maybe sort of like Otto Coney in his tapes. He said, I was telling him how to be a Christian all these years. And he said, finally God got a hold of my life. And He changed me. And then one day, he said, all the natives, they said, hey, Otto became a Christian. They said, all these years you've been talking to us about being a Christian. And we thought, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful if someday we could meet a Christian? And Otto said, man, that hurt. But he said, oh, they were so true. You see, I don't want to have to just tell people about, you know, people years ago in the Bible, they prayed and things happened and, and all these different things. I want to be an example to my children. I want to be an example to the congregation that this is how we pray and this is what we do. And when we are in need, we go to God and we cry out and God moves. But it doesn't just happen. Well, I met this brother and he said, i got something to tell you. He said a number of years ago, quite a few years before this, he said, my wife and I, he said, we had a wonderful relationship. He said, um, he said, we had just a wonderful marriage and he said, one of the favorite times was when it was time to go to bed. He said, because it was just a time where we could just relax and, and we could discuss the day and just share it with each other. And, and he said, you know, when my wife passed away, he said, I, he wasn't that extremely old when his wife passed away. But he said, you know, I missed my wife so much. He said, I missed her so much. And he said, I hated the time when it came time to go to bed. He said, I dreaded that time because I missed my wife so much and and the time we could just communicate together and share together and just whatever together. And he said, I just hated that time. But he said, you know, he said, I started to do something. He said, when it started to become time to go to bed, I just sort of, I forget how he said it, but this is how I'm going to say it. That I just kind of started talking to God like I did to my wife when she was there. And he said, it started to change. He said, I started 
to look forward. He said, no longer did I dread it, but he said, I started to look forward to the time when I could go to bed and just communicate with God. He said, my relationship with God just flourished as I just talked to God like I would talk to my wife. And I would share with God. And he said, that relationship began to grow. And he said, it, we became, our, our relationship became so close that he said, I didn't want anything else to be between that relationship. He said, time went on. I started noticing this other lady. But he said, I went to God and I said, God, I'm noticing this other lady, but I don't want to remarry because I don't want anything to come between my relationship and yours. And he began to, and he continued to pray. And with time, God showed him and revealed to him that I want that relationship with you too. But I also know that I want you to marry this lady. And eventually they got married. And Harvey still has a wonderful relationship with God. That wasn't the 1700s. That was the 2000s. Okay? God wants us to have a relationship with Him. He wants us to commune with Him. You know, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door. Shut the phone off. No emails. No nothing. Fathers, the greatest power that you have in your life is to be on your knees for your family in brokenness. Mothers, the greatest thing you can do for your children is to let them, to show them by your life one of the greatest things. There's many great things, but, but one of the greatest things that you can show them is prayer is important to mother. It's okay to say, children, this is mother's prayer time. I will work with that later. Sometimes in our ministers' meetings, and I think we have grown in this, but I thought, I wonder what would happen sometimes if we, if we would pray for two hours and talk for 15 instead of praying for 15 and talking for two. You know, how important is God to you? How important is it to have the power of God on your life. Story is told of a man who did not have a relationship with God, really didn't want anything to do with God. But one day one of his friends kind of touched his heart and he told him this. He said, "Just start talking." He said, "Earl, just start talking." That wasn't his name, but Earl, just just start talking to God. Like you would. He said, just take a chair and slide it up there in front of you and just picture that Christ is sitting on there. And he said, just, just share your life with Him. Tell Him how you feel. Give Him time to talk to you. Just like you would to a friend. See, prayer is two ways. And he began to do this and nobody but these two 
men knew this. But as time went on, this Earl became sick and he was, he was young in the Lord and he didn't understand a lot of things. Did you ever notice when a, I love to hear sometimes someone that hasn't been taught how to pray when they pray? I mean, they pray like, you know, hey God, this is John. <laughs> um, and I, I, I don't really know what to say, but I need you. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes that means so much more to God than kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father. You know, we have these long lines that we don't even think about what we're saying. They're just memorized, you know. But the time came that Earl was was getting sick and he was in the hospital. And, and so his daughter called a local minister. Earl wasn't really part of a church. He had just came to kind of know the Lord in the recent past. And his daughter said, would you mind going and talking to my father in the hospital? And he said, yeah, I could do it. So he was a little bit, you know, a little bit different going to talk to someone that you don't know. But he decided that he would. So um, he went in and he began to talk with Earl. And he walked in and he noticed that Earl had a chair sitting there by the bed. And so he thought, oh, I'll go ahead and sit down. And Earl said, no, 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 no. He said, that isn't for you. And the minister said, oh, well, I'm sorry. He said, I, I just thought that. You know, you knew I was coming, and so you had this chair out here. No, he said, um, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, this has just come to pass in the last while in my life or whatever. But, And he proceeded to tell that story. He said, I set that chair there. And he said, I spend hours talking with God, just like he's in that chair. And he said, I've built a relationship with God. And and he said, that's why that chair's there. This is my prayer closet or whatever. And I just I just picture Christ sitting there and and we just we just talk back and forth. The minister prayed with him and said, You know, Lord bless you, keep on. And a few days later his daughter called Earl's daughter called the pastor and he said, um, he said, Dad passed away. Wondered if you would have the funeral or whatever, however that was. And so the pastor met with the daughter, different things, and she said, something really bizarre happened. She said, Dad had this chair sitting by the bed and I left for a little while and nobody was there in the room with Dad. And she said, when I came back, she said, Dad had passed away. But she said, Dad had sat up in bed and had laid himself over onto that chair and died. She said, would you have any idea why he did that? And the pastor said, I wish all people could die like that. You see, we get busy and we don't take time for God. 
there was a there was a caption a while back that it was sort of like somebody was saying, God, where was you in all when all these school shootings are going on? Where are you? And in the caption it says, I'm right where you told me to be on the outside. Right? We don't want God. Get out of here. We don't want the tank. We don't want God. We were, we're animals. We don't need God. And then as soon as something goes bad, God, where are you? Mm-hmm. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think we did pretty good at the first verse, part of this verse, but I think I have failed, and sometimes we as God's people have failed in the second part of the verse here. Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But what does it say? But be filled with the Spirit. Now, did God mean the first part of that more than He meant the second part of it? This means yes, this means no. Yes or no? No, He didn't, did He? He expects us to be filled with His Spirit. And I tell you what, if you think tonight that you empty yourself and you become filled with the Spirit of God, that allows you to become like the world and just do whatever you want to do, you've got the wrong spirit. Okay? Because the more I empty myself... And I'm not talking about just one aspect of the Christian life. I'm talking about life, okay? In every way, when we empty ourselves of ourselves and allow the Spirit of God to fill us, it changes every aspect of our lives. And I have found out that God's Word is powerful and it is deep. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. I should have known that because the Bible says that. But, you know, we got to figure it out sometimes on our own. You know? But when we allow that, when we immerse ourselves in the Word, and we immerse ourselves in prayer, and we fall broken before God, God has us right where He wants us and where He can use us. But so many times, we try all kinds of other things. You know what the Bible says also? It says that if you empty yourself of a spirit and don't refill it with the good things of God, that spirit will come back. I'm sorry, is it seven times worse? Seven. He'll bring seven more, yes. He'll bring seven more spirits with Him. So not only do we have a responsibility to empty ourselves by the power of God. Only God can forgive sin. God's the only one that has the power to forgive us of our sins. We read that. Talked about that a little bit earlier. You know? But it's so important that we empty ourselves and then we fill ourselves with the things of God. I believe tonight in churches across America and in our Anabaptist circles, I believe that more homes are being destroyed because God, because mom and dad are not filled with the Spirit of God, than are being destroyed by the brown bottle. Okay, we say never drink, and you'll never be an alcoholic. That's that's right. That's a that's a good policy. But you know, he said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. 
I, I, I know we can apply not drinking there, but I really don't think that's even exactly the point that he was making there. You see, wine controls us, okay? Strong drink controls us. It causes us to do things and say things and go places and act in ways that afterwards we'll think, oh, why did I ever do that? But you know what? When you become filled with the Spirit of God and you become under the influence of the Spirit of God, you will go some places, you will do some things, you will say some things that you weren't planning to do. And when it's all said and done, you'll say, praise God. Does that make sense? Don't be under the influence of alcohol. Be under the influence of my Holy Spirit. And I tell you, that is a full-time job to do that. It's very rewarding. If you want an exciting life, try it. If you want a, if you want a fulfilled life, try it. But you know, tonight I brought this glass along, and I'm going to say that this, this glass represents our, our life, okay? So, the Bible says that, you know, just like this glass, we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit, right? Would you see that? Is that glass full? You would say? Is this, the water's right there. Is it full? It isn't, okay. Alright. Would it be full enough, though, to be a member at Northwoods? Would you say that glass is full? Really? Let's let's get a second opinion. Would you say that this glass is full? Full enough to be a member at Northwoods? <laughs> mm-hmm. Would you say that glass is full? It's full, but not full of water, is it? But if you was my waitress and I said, would you get me a full glass of water? Would that be a full? (laughs) No, ultimately though, this glass is is not full. So, um, is it full now? Okay. Alright, so... The only way this glass can be full of water is if it's empty of everything else. Okay? Sometimes what happens, we become a little lukewarm. We become a little bit whatever. And um, somebody says something to us and, boy, that just kind of struck me wrong and a hard spot comes in our life. And, you know, I, I haven't been taking real good time with God and I spend more time on social media than I do in the Word and whatever it might be and hard spots come. You know, and I, I'm pursuing wealth Hard spots come. Now I notice that there's something, I've been noticing something in my life, and um, uh, I've been noticing that, it, that 
don't quite feel like I did. So, you know, I decide that, you know, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy some books on being filled with the Spirit and I'm going to read them. And they last till about the time you close it and, and that's gone. And we say, well, you know, things just aren't going real good. And so I'm going to go to Bible school. I'm going to go to Bible school. And, um, that, 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 ha- that works for a little while, but we come back and that, that's soon gone. And well, we're going to have revival meetings and we go listen to the speaker and that kind of revives us for a little while, but, um, that soon goes and, 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 and we love talking about power. We love talking about how the saints of old, boy, they were just, you know, whatever. What's wrong with this picture here? What do I need to do to be filled with the Spirit of God? It's very simple. I gotta remove the hard spots. It's called repentance. So I go to God and I say, God, this is who I am. Why are you afraid to tell God who you are? He already knows. You know what I mean? Why do we say, well, boy, that, you know, I tell people, tell God what you thought about that situation. Well, that wouldn't sound good. He already knows what you thought about it. Tell him how you thought about it in a respectful way. It might help you realize it. Whoa. Yeah. You know? And so, so I come to God and I repent and I confess and I clear things up and now I'm ready to go, right? Now what do I got to do? What did we just say? If we empty our vessel and we don't refill it, Seven spirits come back along with the other one. And it's worse for that man than if he would never have emptied. And so, you know, in order for me to be filled with the power of God, you see, so now I'm filled with the power of God. And so, since since God is working, am I perfect? Am I perfect? No. Is anyone here tonight absolutely perfect? No. But the desire of our heart is to be sold out to God. I really believe that we are emptied of all those stones when we come to salvation. I believe we're sanctified. We're filled with the power of God. And then, as God shows us things, it seems like more things come out of our lives. But God knows our heart. But you know, when I have emptied my heart and I have repented and I have confessed, you know, worldly thinking is thinking opposite of what God thinks. Somebody asked me a while back, it must have been like 2016 or something. They said, what, what's worldly thinking in 2016? And I said, it's the same. I, I thought about that and I thought, it's the same as it was in 1916. It's thinking that is contrary to the thinking of God. That's worldliness. Okay? And so, when I come to God and I I say, God, I want to have your mind and your heart. You see, the Bible talks about that having the mind of Christ. And so, when I do that, it's a blessing. I read good books and it's a blessing. I'm full and running over. I go to Bible school and I'm full and running over. And I go to revival meetings and I'm full and running over. 
But unless I am willing to empty myself of the hard spots in my life, I will never experience the power of God in my life. We can experience a few things. I think of the man Samson. He was a man of great strength when the power of God was on him. And, you know, all down through Samson's life, he kind of toyed with that power. He was supposed to be a Nazarite, okay? A Nazarite from birth. One of three in Scripture, I believe, that was a Nazarite from birth. He wasn't to cut his hair, he wasn't to have strong drink, and he wasn't to touch a dead body. But you know, Samson, he did not take his relationship with God seriously. And he did not take that power of God on his life seriously. He was able to use it sometimes to get out of some tight spots for a while, but it eventually caught up with him. Okay? He killed that lion. And he goes in there and he's going back down to Timnah again. again, And he goes over there and he takes the honey out of that carcass of that lion, he broke one of the vials that he was not to touch, a dead body. He was a Nazarite. And I believe with all the party and, and all the things that he'd done with those Philistines, it would seem to me that he drank strong drink. And so he broke another one of his vials. When he killed those thousand Philistines and took off their clothes and paid back his vow his, for his riddle, He touched those dead bodies. He continued to be contrary to what God wanted him to be. And yet it kind of seemed like for a period of time that he went on and he went on and he went on and he was okay, you know. And he goes into the city of Gaza and he's in there committing a a fornication or adultery, whatever. And, uh, you know, he's in there and the enemy surrounds the city and they think, oh, we have Samson. And it says that he came to the gates of the city at night and he just backed up to those gates and he lifted them up and he carried him on his back and he carried him up Hebron for 38 miles uphill. These weren't some little cattle gate. They were gates that would hold out armies. And he, when the power of God was on him, he was unstoppable. But he took it for granted. And he thought that he could be careless with it and that he didn't really have to do anything to keep it. And you all know the story how Delilah shaved his head. And one of the most pathetic verses in Scripture is it says, he stood up to go out as before and he didn't even know that the Spirit of God had left him. Somebody said that 80% of church work would continue on just the way that it does, even if you took the Spirit of God totally out of it. He got up and said, I'll go out as others. And you all know the story. He was overcome. They poked out his eyes. You know where they brought him back to? Gaza. The very city that he tore those gates off of. He came back rejected, defeated, and you know, they, they, um, put him down in the prison, and he walked around that grinding mill, doing a lady's job. I think he had a lot of time to think. He wasn't drinking anymore, he wasn't touching any dead bodies anymore. 
and his hair began to grow. One day they called him, brought him into the palace, into the theater, and you all know the story. Finally, he asked that lad to lead him over to, to those pillars that supported that. I know it's Old Testament. All these things aren't for us today. But I believe that that was a prayer of repentance by Samson. He realized, you know, my strength comes from God. And he said, God, could you give me strength just one more time? You know, great strength in one area won't make up for weakness in another area. You may never go some places. You may never say some things. But if you can't forgive, you're powerless. You may forgive and do some other things as whatever. My challenge to you tonight is, is is the power of God on my life? Have I emptied myself and am I filled with the power of God? Do I think that this word is vital to my life? Years ago, in early Anabaptist movement and different movements, they would fast and pray for one or two days when they came to salvation. It wasn't, I said the prayer, and now I'm in. Do you think that had anything to do with the power that they had? I challenge you as a congregation. Are you pursuing the power of God? Are you saying, Lord, I want to empty myself of anything possible? Any distractions? Some time ago, maybe a a year or two ago. I don't know if he's even been that long ago, but God impressed on my mind so hard the need of prayer and of immersing myself in the Word. You will never experience power of God on your life in a real way unless you do that. Oh, you can, you can have some flashes of it. You can change a few things. You can discipline yourself. So do the Muslims. So does the athlete. So does a lot of people. I, I challenge us tonight. Are we, are we being led by the Spirit of God? I believe we, we need that in the days we live in. And I'm not for sure, but Lord willing, I think tomorrow evening we may may talk about some of the things of the days that we live in and, and what we need in these days that we live in. 
But I know this much, without the power of God on my life, I will be deceived. I believe that. And I believe we all will be without the power of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father, tonight, the devil does not like it that the keys of death and hell were taken from him. He does not like it when God's people have the power of God upon his lives. He doesn't mind us changing a few things, but as long as we lack power, he's fine with it. God, I pray that the power of God, that we would pursue it, that we would desire it, that we would seek after it. Oh God, thank you. Lord, I'm not for sure how to close, to be honest, I'm not for sure how to close this service. It's time to close. Lord, I just pray that you administer to our hearts. I pray that the powers of darkness and of sin and undoneness would be driven far from this place and that your spirit could speak. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give a very short invitation tonight. The invitation tonight is, is I am, by standing to my feet, I am acknowledging that I am willing to empty my life. And I am going to pursue the power of God doesn't mean that you haven't been totally. It may just be redriving that stake deeper or making that vow. Maybe you haven't been and you need to. Last night afterwards I told you to come up. I'm not going to do that tonight. But if you stand, I do want you to share with someone here or at home why you stood. I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to ask you to come up. But if you stand tonight, you're just acknowledging that I've been lacking power. And I want that power on my life to overcome. And I'm willing to do what it takes, Father, for that. We're going to sing one verse of a song, and then we're going to close. So if God has spoken to you and you want to make that public commitment, don't do it because someone else is. Don't do it without meaning it. You'd be much better to stay seated than to stand and not mean it. Let's just sing a verse again of all to Jesus I surrender. We're going to sing one verse and we're going to close. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live.
surrender all. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. God bless you tonight. We're going to close with prayer. I'm standing with you. You know, I I need the power of God on my life. And God's working in my life. And I just challenge you as a congregation to continue on. Let's stand together for closing prayer. Brother Dan, would you close in prayer?